Hello, and welcome to Mobility Matters Podcast. I am your host, Arlene Holt, and I am joined by my co-host, Chris Gonda. Hey, Chris. Hello again, everyone. You're nursing a little bit of a cold today, so... Oh, yeah. It's been a rough week, so I've got my big cup of tea with honey, and it's going to get me through the call just fine. But I'm happy to be here with our guests, and if you wouldn't mind introducing them. Sure. Today's episode, we are talking with Doug O'Malley, State Director for Environment New Jersey, and Melissa Evanego, Head of Mobile Sources for the New Jersey Department of Environmental Protection. Welcome, Doug and Melissa. Great to be here, Arlene and Chris. Yeah, thanks for having us. If you wouldn't mind, Melissa, can you tell us a little bit about what you do over at NJDEP and then let our audience understand a little bit about the program and what you're doing? Sure. Yeah, so I've been at uh, New Jersey Department of Environmental Protection for 26 years now. 16 of them have been working in the transportation world. Currently in the Bureau of Mobile Sources, we do everything from making sure our legacy fleet of vehicles are properly maintained and inspected. Uh, we focus on you know, no idling and people tampering on vehicles to make sure that our legacy fleet of vehicles, uh, which are much larger than the new population, you know, are um, as clean as they can be. And then we focus on a lot of electric vehicle initiatives, like the electric school bus program. Um, and we apply for a lot of funding to incentivize fleets and um, whether it's on-road or off-road vehicles to move to electrification. So that is, you know, our big focus these days. We're spending a lot of money on electrification and it will benefit the citizens of New Jersey. Yeah, that's one of the uh, goals of Governor Murphy is to get electrified fleets and, and personal vehicles. So you have your work cut out for yourself. <laughs> How about yours, you, Doug? Um, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, Arlene. And, and really an honor to be uh, joining Melissa on this on this program. It's it's been great working with with DEP um, and, and their team really through the year. So my name is is Doug O'Malley. I serve as the director of Environment New Jersey. We're a state-based environmental advocacy organization. We uh, have more than 80,000 uh, citizen members and activists uh, across the state. Um, and we've been working on vehicle electrification for more time than I than I like to think. But, you know, really, you know, our mantra is to kind of electrify everything on wheels. Um, and we've seen just such great progress through the Murphy administration and through the work of New Jersey DP on whether it be electric school buses, whether it be our light duty electric vehicles, and obviously the, the great work of New Jersey Board of Public Utilities, and, and then for medium and heavy duty vehicles, including the, the great NJ ZIP program through EDA to work to electrify more of our trucks, from box trucks to our, you know, our larger, uh, our larger semis that are on the road. So, you know, this is, this is kind of a really a a moment that I think a, a lot of environmental advocates have been waiting for, which is to have the technology be at a place that it's real and it's on the road. And we are starting to electrify our, our vehicles so that we can uh, reduce uh, air pollution, which still is a you know a leading cause of smog in the state, as well as to fight the largest source of climate emissions in New Jersey, which is our transportation sector, the cars and trucks that all of us drive. With electric school buses, you know, for... You know, me and my district, and I'm sure other folks in New Jersey, it still sounds like such a futuristic and surreal thing. What was it like when you started hearing about them and them becoming part of the program uh, that you have, Melissa? And how did that sink into your reality of 
oh, we're embracing this. We're moving forward with it and it's going to be awesome. You've heard about electric vehicles for a long time, you know, really in the light duty space. Um, and then it seems like once the uh, manufacturers started to move into um, the medium and heavy duty space, all of a sudden there were a lot of options. So, you know, I think the electric school buses are really a great way to move forward. It makes sense. There's planned routes for school buses, so it's predictable of how much range that you need. And then the buses can go back to the depots and they can charge there. So I think electric school buses make a lot of sense. We're seeing a lot of electric vehicle options, like Doug had said, in the medium and heavy duty space. We fund a lot of those projects. We fund a lot of projects in, um, you know, at airports and ports, and then obviously the light duty vehicles. So, you know, the combination of federal funding and state funding, everything is working together. Um, and coming together to build the infrastructure to allow all of this technology. So uh, it's an exciting time. Now, do you find a lot of communities jumping at the opportunity to apply for the money to have the infrastructure installed? Or are we talking about you having to go out and do more education and letting folks know that these opportunities are here and there there are funds for you and having to essentially hold more hands through the whole process? We started focusing on electrification projects back in 2019. So in 2019, when we did our first solicitation for electric projects, it was slow. But then by the time in the next year and a half, when we had additional funding and we did a solicitation, there were a lot of people who were interested. So municipalities, private industry, uh, people were jumping at it because it was we were giving a lot of money. And in the early days, and depending on the funding, in some projects we funded 100%. So people were willing to make that commitment to spend that extra um, you know, money and resources to look at these types of projects. I do believe that you know there was a lot of people who moved forward and you know I think us ourselves, we were very excited to move forward. But we've learned a lot along the way. And I think you know municipalities and school districts have learned and are still learning what they have to do in the process. So I think, you know, like I said, we've all learned with this school bus solicitation, what we found was a lot of people jumped in with two feet and then said, wait a second, maybe we don't know everything that we do, or maybe there's more things we have to think about. So let's yeah. stop what we're doing. Let's rethink this before moving forward. And because of that, we have a solicitation that will be opening up in the next week or so, and we're going back to basics. We're going to do education starting out from the very beginning and giving everybody the foundation um, that they need and answer questions and help give them all the tools to move forward. We want to be giving re resources and knowledge to school districts that, that have these questions, that, that want to go electric, but are you know kind of scratching their head saying, how do we do that? Right. And, and that's obviously what the webinar series that DEP is launching for early February will answer some of those questions. And obviously the solicitation that is being put forward by DEP, you know, really is, is designed to give an option um, for all the school districts to say, what about me? I, I wanted to go back, though, Chris, just to one of the your kind of first questions of, you know, why why even focus on electric school buses? Why focus on school buses on the first place? And I just I just think back. And I've been doing this for a while, but not that long. I think back to the work that DP did, as well as Senator Bob Smith from Piscataway, 
on cleaning up um, dirty diesel buses in 2005. And there was a ballot measure that voters all across the state voted overwhelmingly in support of spending more money to clean up our, our dirtiest diesel engines on school buses. Fast forward from 2005 to 2023 and now 2024, and we don't have to rely on dirty diesel buses anymore. And I just want to kind of emphasize, you know, so many of us have strong memories of sitting on a school bus as a kid and having it stink, right? <laughs> Literally breathing in those diesel fumes. And, you know, the reality is it's not 1978, it's not 1988, it's not 2005, it's 2024. We as a state should be making investments and a commitment to move, to have this generation be the last generation that is stuck breathing in diesel fumes. And this isn't just some childhood bad memory or inconvenience. There's actually recent research um, from several years ago, from 2019, uh, conducted by uh, folks from Georgia State University, showing that diesel pollution from school buses significantly impacted Kids' lung capacity. Remember kids, like as a kid, you actually hold your breath a lot longer. Their lungs are big, their bodies are small. So it significantly impacted kids' aerobic capacity and even their academic performance, which is measured by lower test scores, which is just wild to me. Um, this is obviously especially damaging in overburdened urban communities that are already suffering from cumulative impacts of air quality. This is just a reminder that this is, it's a quality of life issue. It's an environmental issue. And it's ultimately about protecting our kids and making sure that the school buses they take to school aren't hurting them in school. That's really the genesis of, of this work. And the fact that, you know, we now are talking about electrifying school bus fleets is just wildly exciting. And as Melissa said, look, any new technology... It takes time, right? And we've had really kind of an unprecedented global pandemic. We've had unprecedented supply chain issues and kind of changing the culture for school districts that normally would just put in an order and diesel school bus would show up. Electric school buses do take more work, but they have a lot of benefits, which we'll, we'll talk more about, both through the work of EPA and the bipartisan infrastructure a law which was signed by Congress um, and assigned, uh, passed by Congress and signed by President Biden. And of course, the work of DEP, you know, there are more resources than ever for school districts to, to take the take the jump uh, to go electric. With all the money that's available from the government, um, everybody was excited to move forward. A lot of states are pausing and saying, OK, wait, we need a little bit more help. And we're seeing that there's a lot of technical assistance and guidance that's coming from the different agencies and that are being provided by nonprofit agencies. And so I think everybody's experiencing the same, you know, learning curve. Like, let's stop and let's think about this a little bit more thoughtfully and make sure that the money and the projects are successful when we move forward. New technology, right? And we're all learning. Yeah, and, and to agree with both of you, and especially when we're, Doug said that this is wildly exciting and that we don't have to settle for the fumes and everything else from the the pre-existing school bus fleets that we've always had. And yeah, I mean, as a kid, of course, I remember the fumes and sitting on the bus and waiting for it to depart the, the school. But, you know, we've heard studies of, yes, the, the air quality outside of the schools. But what are the impacts like for the kids that are sitting in the schools when these diesel buses are outside? Can you give us, Doug, any more information about what's happening to the indoor air quality because of these diesel fleets? Yeah, I mean, I think this is the, the way I kind of think about it is it's the experience inside the bus. If you're lining up to get on the bus, you know, those fumes aren't just disappearing, 
right? So the smell that I remember most succinctly is the smell of diesel fumes on the bus, but also waiting basically in the schoolyard to get on the bus. Certainly, I, I don't have a particular study that talks about the infiltration of diesel fumes into school buildings, but if it's a cold winter morning and the buses are idling for uh, at pickup for a while, you would expect to have some fumes infiltrate. I mean, the, the I, I think the, the point here too is that you know, we're obviously talking about kids. We also should be thinking about the drivers, right? Because the drivers are on the school buses as long and even longer than the kids because the school bus, after the last kid is off, the drivers have to take the, the bus back to the depot. So those, those are the folks that have also acute impacts. And then I also don't want to take away from the fact that uh, obviously there are climate impacts as well. The thing that's, I think, unique about this is when we think about diesel trucks, usually, you know, a, a kid is not driving a Mack truck right? And kids who are most vulnerable to air pollution, you know, are in our school buses. So, you know, this is an opportunity not only to clean up air quality for kids, also to be thinking about the future of our electric grid. For so long, our electric grid has been on a kind of a spoke and hub model. And increasingly, we're seeing a world where uh, as we electrify everything on wheels, we are creating batteries on wheels. And that's true for our cars and, and light trucks that uh, people drive. It's also true for larger vehicles like school buses. And so that's something that I think school districts, it's not an obviously school district's wheelhouse, is thinking about the potential for the battery of electric school buses. So this is kind of a reminder that, you know, most school districts, most people are not electric grid uh, wants. Uh, but this is something that gets people really excited who care about the electric grid because you now have, you know, very large batteries on wheels that aren't being used all the time, especially in the summer when it's hottest and our grid is being taxed the most. So there's a huge grid benefit for electric school buses as well. And I feel like because we live in New Jersey, I was reading this article about how New Jersey is one of the top states for electric vehicle adoption. And I feel like everywhere we go, there's just EVs everywhere. I live in, obviously, Middlesex County. And I think Middlesex County is the second highest state for electric vehicle um, purchases. So to me, it's kind of a no-brainer to move forward with the electric school bus and just get rid of the start thinking about retiring some of these diesel buses. However, there is a huge price discrepancy between a diesel engine and electric vehicles. And I think this program will help offset some of those concerns that districts may have. As for the whole program, what positions New Jersey uniquely to have an advantage to roll out this program? We keep referring to this program, but I don't think our, our, all of our folks really know what's happening and what's positioned New Jersey to take advantage. Governor Murphy signed an electric school bill, as you want to be And so he set out this program to give us goals and guidance on focusing um, on electrifying the school bus. We are opening up the solar position and we're going to for the first round of funding. So $15 million for electric school buses um, for the first year. And the intent of this electric school bus law and our program is to give that funding to offset the cost between a diesel vehicle and an electric vehicle. So, you know, there is infrastructure that's involved in an electric school bus project, but at least we're offsetting the cost for the buses and for the charging station. So a district doesn't have to feel hampered, like I can't ever move forward with an electric school bus because they're just so much more. So we evaluated costs and we look at the program 
Now for a school district, they, they're paying for what they would for a diesel bus. And then the grant funds will pay that additional to get them to the electric school bus cost, that, that incremental difference, as well as the charging station. So there are other costs that they have to incur, but it will be minimal. Uh, but the benefits in the long run are better. There's really no maintenance cost. There's no fuel cost. So there's all that additional savings. And so that's why this program is really important. Again, it's focusing on you know, the health benefits for children. The school bus lot is focused, having us look at different technologies. But there's a lot of valuation that will happen as a result of this program because of the law. Um, so it will be beneficial for me. Yeah, and I, I just want to kind of jump in on this because this is obviously the question that you know, we hear most directly from school districts is that they're working to figure out, okay, how do I pay for this? Um, and Melissa just made a really important point, which is obviously you have the upfront capital cost and electric school buses clearly cost more than your traditional diesel bus. But you also have to be thinking about the lifetime cost of these vehicles. And this is where, again, the lifetime total cost of ownership of an electric school bus is actually projected to be less than that of a traditional diesel bus because of the lower maintenance and fuel costs, despite that higher upfront cost. So the University of Delaware looked at this and they have a study that estimates that school districts could save up to $230,000 per bus by switching from diesel to electric. Now, those are long-term savings that doesn't help you in the short term. And this is why this kind of the, the series of federal and, and state grants are just so critical. We we saw $40 million that's going to come to the state from EPA to the Clean School Bus Program that's going to a variety of, of cities across the state, including Newark and Elizabeth and down in Lakewood, which is obviously very dense. That's kind of a good example of federal dollars helping school districts. There's also the regional greenhouse gas dollars, which DEP has allocated to you know a number of districts across the state. And then I, I think I'm just most excited about the pilot program the DEP is going to be kicking off that received an initial round of funding from in this year's state budget of $15 million to kind of kick off a, a program that will allow the DEP to learn more on the performance of electric school buses and make sure that we have a broad diversity of districts across the state, from our cities to our suburbs to our rural parts of the state, to basically have everyone join in, right? And so that we can collectively learn from those experiences. So I think that's that's something that just makes me really excited about the fact that, you know, we can get more people to kind of plug in, if you will, to electric school buses. Right. So there's already electric school buses on the roads in, in, in some districts as pilots. Um, I believe like South Jersey, maybe Atlantic City or Brighton or some down there. They were part of the initial pilot program. Do you have any idea what the feedback that you're getting from those districts that are already piloting electric school buses? So we are in the early days of electric school buses being delivered and operating in New Jersey. So, you know, we continue to talk to those districts to find out if they're up in the hurdle. Um, there are things that we have learned. You know, there's some, there were some charging issues early on. And again, the technology, you know, manufacturers working with different charging station providers. Um, and these are things that you learn in the program. Um, but there's been um, a lot of successful deployments nationwide and everybody's learning from one another. You know, I go back to this presentation that we had of the hosting a series of three webinars. And that first webinar that we're hosting is in electric school bus 101. So we will talk about what these hurdles are purchasing electric school buses. 
uh, will give recommendations you know, you think about as far as infrastructure, the charging stations, how many buses should we be moving forward? And we'll also have an expert panel of representatives from three different districts nationwide to give their feedback. So, you know, bus people who are operating buses in Boston and it's really cold, like how, you know, how are the buses uh, being affected by the cold weather and the charging? They will be there to give their testimony, to give real world experience to those that might be a little bit hesitant to that uh, in New Jersey. They've had buses that are operating and they've learned a lot. I think they'll come and they'll share their experiences. Hopefully help school districts here in New Jersey to get over some of their fears or their anxieties, uh, which is important. There obviously is a learning curve and we're kind of in the midst of a learning curve, but we are at a moment where we've seen other states are moving forward on electric school buses. And it's really exciting that New Jersey is is kind of is is joining that fray. There's more than 100, roughly 150 electric school buses that are in order for districts across the state. There's roughly about 20 electric school buses that are, that are up and, and running right now. And I also just wanted to give just a big shout out to the leadership we've seen in the legislature specifically from Middlesex County's own uh, Senator Patrick Dagnan, who serves as the chair of the Senate Transportation Committee, and then uh, Assemblyman uh, Sterling Stanley, who served, previously served as the vice chair of the Assembly Environment Committee. Both of them have been relentlessly pushing to pass the pilot program and to get it funded. So that's been hugely welcome. We, we also appreciate the leadership of Speaker Craig Coughlin from Woodbridge, making sure this, this program was funded. Thinking back to districts that we, we need districts to be stepping up, East Brunswick has really been a leader here. And East Brunswick has been a leader for a long time, going back to former Mayor uh, Bill Neary, who obviously mm-hmm. we know we know oh, near and dear to keep Middlesex moving. Um, but but guy. also just yeah, that, that guy, right? Not just about this the salamanders crossing, right? <laughs> so as as hugely important as as that is, and so it was really kind of heartwarming to have. Uh, the superintendent from East Brunswick, county commissioners, join the Environment New Jersey and other allies, as well as EP for press event we did uh, last June at East Brunswick, which is yeah. just just a reminder that district there is there's, there is money to be applied for, and East Brunswick is, is certainly at the front of the line, and, and we're really excited to get East Brunswick up and running, the electric school buses, and have them be a, a model for, for the county on the benefits of, of electric school buses. Yeah, East Brunswick is going to receive 11 electric school buses. Funny story, the superintendent of East Brunswick did reach out to Bill, our former retired executive director, and he was able to put him in contact with Patrick Dignan for this electric school bus pilot program. We are so fortunate to have leaders like Patrick Dignan and Stanley Sterley, who are just leading the charge in this front. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the apparent and a resident of East Brunswick. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with these school buses. It's really an exciting time with the technology and with this program. And I'm looking forward to seeing how it does affect and improve the quality of life for so many students and residents around the state. Yeah. And one other thing to, to kind of add in here for any listeners that are, that are saying, Hey, I want to learn about this now, and I don't want to wait for February first for the first <laughs> webinar. We had a great forum called the ABCs of Electric School Buses that was in a Trent at the Trenton Y in late November. And big kudos to Melissa and other members of the administration that joined, including Kathleen Lewis from BPU. We had the now county executive of Mercer County, Dan Benson, the former chair of the Assembly Transportation Committee. And we have, if you go to the ABCs of Electric School Buses.org, we have a recording of that whole forum, 
And then we also have a link to Ask an Expert from WRI, the World Resources Institute, that's done amazing work across the country on electric school buses. WRI is also going to be joining DP for some of their webinars. So if you're saying, I want to get started now, I want to work with my school district, or I'm at a school district, but I have a gazillion questions, schedule a Ask the Expert time via the ABCs of electric school buses a website. You'll, you'll find a resources page. Go there. There's a ton of great info. So I just want to kind of give a quick plug to that so that people can kind of get get rolling, as it were, ahead of these webinars that DP is going to be rolling out. So for the school districts who are interested and haven't gotten made any steps or connected with you, Doug, or Melissa, where would you say is a good starting point for them? Is it Are there things that they need to assess? Do they have to collect data? Or do they reach out to you directly and say, we're interested in moving forward with electric school buses. Can you help us make that first step? Yeah, so for those, you know, my recommendation for those that have not applied yet or are, are thinking about it is to join us for our first webinar. We'll be posting all the resources on our website as well. But that first webinar will let them listen to the topic. They'll get to listen to other people talk about what they've done. It will give them the ability to ask questions that they might have you know, on how to get started. They can talk to their, their utility to see what is the capacity of their building right now. Yeah. How many school buses can they electrify? They should be talking to district and look at their finances. What can they find moving forward? They could take baby steps, maybe two buses this year, two buses in that room. Start looking at what are the school bus offerings and educate themselves on the range of the different buses and what kind of charging person. So there's a lot of things to think about. There's a lot of resources that are out there. We'll have everything up on our website and up with that. We'll be providing information on who they can call to get some technical assistance after our webinars are over where they can call somebody live to WRI, the World Research Institute, as I mentioned. They have hours where they can call and put a 30-minute time slot and to talk to somebody to get some help. So like you said, we're going back to basics and we're starting over and making sure everybody has all the fundamentals and the foundation to build good projects and think about this holistically. Yeah, and that's, that's I think, the, the thing that's kind of most exciting now is that we not only have the the bill passed for the program. We not only have the funding in place, but DEP is rolling out really kind of a user-friendly process to sign up for these webinars in early February, learn more. And if you have questions, there's an app for that. As they say, WRI is, is kind of set up to specifically to kind of ask the expert. And this is this is why this is exciting is that you can apply for this program. There's also the EPA program. There's the EPA dollars are for multi-year. So this is kind of an important acknowledgement, right? We're not going to have, we're not going to solve this with one set of funding. And the EPA grants bumped up very significantly from last year, but EPA is spending billions of dollars, again, through the bipartisan infrastructure law across the country, right? And this is where credit goes to the Biden administration. We're also working to electrify our postal vehicles across the across the country. Again, that's because of the bipartisan infrastructure law. This is where we are in a flexion point. We're seeing a lot of investments in electric vehicle infrastructure and charging at the state and federal level. And this is just so great because it just provides more resources for school districts that say, look, how am I going to do this? Well, there's funding and money out there. And then DEP is packaging everything up into kind of news you can use webinars. So please put it on your calendar to join those webinars in early February. Those webinars begin February 1st. Look out for them, register for them. We'll have all the information 
listed so that you have one location to find all these resources. We're running out of time now. So any additional questions, Chris, or anything you you would like to add, Melissa and Doug? I do have one thing I didn't mention about this program that we're going to be rolling out. We do have a bi-directional charging pilot. Um, I think Doug alluded to it a little bit. Electric school buses in the summer were not, uh, not operating very much. They're just batteries that store that. The technology of vehicle to grid or vehicle to building. This bi-directional charging program that we'll be piloting and looking for applicants during the solicitation will be for school districts or school bus contractors to say, hey, I would like to participate in this. I'd like to, on their hot, heavy days, I would like to use the school buses and stored energy in those batteries to then ship the electricity back to the building to either shave off the peak of the demand for that day. The building can be running off of the power that's coming from the school buses. So this is the pilot. We want to learn about this. And like you said, school buses are great because they're not operating in the summer. Maybe they have a camp, a quick camp run in the morning and the afternoon or during the day. They're charging when they're stored energy. So this will lead to resilience in our grid, you know, moving forward. So this is a great pilot that we're hoping to gain some information on. And in addition for school districts or school bus contractors that take part of this, there's an additional financial incentive for them to take part in this program. So it, it could be financially beneficial. And at the same time, we're learning a lot of information as this technology moves forward. Thank you so much for just providing those necessary details there, Melissa. And I just can't say how exciting this is because we've been talking about battery storage for a long time. And most people just say, what, right? Is that Duracell, right? This, uh, this I think is a little bit more than most people think about how the electric grid works. Flip the switch and the light comes on. But there are, we are increasingly are getting to a moment. We just came off the hottest year on record, right? And so on those hot summer days, when we're breaking record temperatures. People are jacking up their ACs. Those are the moments that to handle that increased demand, the electric grid goes to the oldest and dirtiest. They're called peaker power plants, the oldest and dirtiest fossil fuel power plants. And that's the exact wrong time. We should not be using fossil fuels because they exacerbate smog and ozone pollution. And so this is just so exciting because this is a moment, it's a it's a double whammy win because with an electric school bus, you're keeping the kids healthy on the bus. And then especially in the summertime, you can literally reduce air pollution overall and provide benefits to not just the grid, but to your school building and to your local community. So I, I just can't emphasize the importance of, of this aspect of the bus, right? We, we want to electrify school buses and we want to create batteries. And that's really what's so exciting about uh, this uh, program that DEP is rolling out. Yeah, the bi-directional charging is so interesting. It And I know there have been school districts that have helped whenever there were power outages within their municipalities throughout the country. They relied on those school buses to help feed the, the grid so that it would lessen the impact across the town and across neighborhoods. So this is just really exciting stuff. And I hope to see a couple of municipalities in Middlesex County, but <laughs> anywhere in New Jersey, it would be great to see a pilot occurring where they utilize the bi-directional charging. I think that's a major game changer. Yeah, and our, so our third webinar will be focused on giving more information and it will be dedicated just 
to talk about the details and to answer questions about the bi-directional charger pilot because it's a little bit more technical and something that we haven't done before. So we figured there would be lots of questions. We're dedicating the whole webinar to just this technology. That's fascinating. Well, thank you both for, again, for joining us. And as for the webinars that are coming up, we'll have the information in the links below. So please visit KMM.org for any other information. So thank you so much to Melissa and Doug for joining us. We are so happy that you were able to come on and talk with us about the electric school bus charging program and all the exciting things that are happening. Thank you to our listeners for joining us, and we hope you'll tune in next time. Take care. Thanks, everyone. This ad is disseminated under the sponsorship of NJTPA and FHWA in the interest of information exchange.